question, Daniel. Yep. Why do you want to do this interview? What made you say yes? Is uh, well, I got introduced to you via Paul, and Paul is a, is a very close friend. And um, when he interv or when he asked me, hey, I have to introduce you to this person because I think that you guys are doing things differently. The first thing I thought is, uh, yeah, we are doing things a little bit differently, and we are kind of going against the current to not be accepting towards the status quo. And uh, this has not always been. Um, rewarding for me mm -hmm. in general in my professional career so far um, but when I started this company with my partner uh, Zikri yeah um, this I heard about you uh, wanting to interview us for being for doing things differently I was like yes finally somebody who appreciates it okay. <laughs> when I was working um, in most of businesses, you want to do things according to standards, things according to processes, and things according to how things work best, uh, how things have proven to work best. This yeah. has been tested, so we have to do this again and again and again yeah. because this is proven to make money. And um, I'm a very big fan of uh, authenticity and being original, and uh, I think that's what people appreciate, and a lot of uh, companies out there that succeed with just doing that. I think uh, that we do similar things. We always okay. do things different. Yep. Okay. How would you define a maverick? I would define a maverick mostly by being disruptive. Um, okay. Always trying to be disruptive. And even though they have this big idea, or this big vision moving towards something, and they know that failing is most likely, they will still proceed with it anyway, simply because... This idea is worth failing for. Okay, thank you. So why do you think you're a maverick? <laughs> You've just defined I mean, one. Yeah, yeah. I would never call myself a maverick because, I, I don't know, I'm very modest and shy even, yeah. usually. Yeah. Um, that I could be a maverick because what we're trying to do is we're doing this for the sake of others. We're not doing this for the sake of ourselves. We have been doing this for three years. We haven't made a single... Time, we've at, we're trying to change the mindset of young entrepreneurs. Yes. And what has happened with the upcoming of the internet courses, where they teach you how to make money online, how to get rich quick, and those type of things, the perception of uh, what it's like, especially for younger people, to be an entrepreneur is to is to make money, and that kind of foregoes the very essence of what we believe entrepreneurship is about, which is about creating value. And not just value for yourself, but also for your environment and for your community. Uh, your community uh, has to become a better place because of what you're doing. Okay. And okay. this is what we're trying to instill in, in young entrepreneurs. Wonderful. The London School of Economics developed a maverickism scale. <clears throat> I'm going to give you seven statements and you just need to say true, false, can't decide. Okay. People tell me that I'm a maverick or words to that effect. Yes, that's true. I've heard that before. <laughs> I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. True. I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. Um, can't decide. I'm much more productive than other people. I wouldn't think so. No. Okay. I have very unusual talents. Not really, no. <laughs> I'm generally underestimated by people. Um, can't decide. Okay. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. Differently, yes. Better, no. Yeah. Why do you do things differently, Daniel? Because, um, I don't know, it's so boring to do things the same. It's, uh, I come from a marketing background, and uh, when, when you look at the copywriting, there's things that have been tested and things that work, right? Um, and these concepts, sales concepts, persuasion concepts that worked 60 years ago, they still work now. But the market is changing, and even though these sales concepts still work, that doesn't mean that necessarily the right or the fun or the most innovative or um, forward-thinking way to go about them. And I just 
get bored so easily with doing the same okay. shit. Can you give me an example of what you do differently and how? I think the biggest thing that we do differently is um, we run a business. We like to call it social business, but even though in Malaysia uh, there's no such thing as a social business. Mm -hmm. um, so we have, a, we have a business purely to create value for our audience. Okay. We have five bucks in trying to struggle and get by because we know that our audience, uh, that our audience loves what we do and that they, they benefit from it. Okay. And I think that's, that's the single most important okay. thing. Is what you do equated with the bottom line, so money, mm -hmm. or something else? So, yeah, definitely something else. The bigger vision is to get youth more involved in decision-making. Okay. You you've probably heard this many times before, uh, if you've been speaking to the Mavericks, that they're looking to change the education system. Yes. Um, when I worked in health, my specialism was adolescent health. My last presentation okay. was with the Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Harvard Medical School, and the presentation well, was on yeah. how do we get young people's voices heard in the health sphere? How do we get exactly. their ideas? So we'll talk about that after, okay? Okay, cool. Sounds Is good. any part of being a maverick to do with autonomy over your life? Definitely, yes has to do with autonomy in your life, uh, but it goes both ways. If you don't have that autonomy and you have a nine-to-five job, that doesn't mean you, can be, you cannot be a maverick. True. Um, and it can even push you to become more of a maverick if you don't have that autonomy because it's, it's, it's itching, you know? It's itching yeah. and once it pushes you, it propels you forward faster. Okay. Um, but I don't think it's, a, it's essential. It can, it can help if you okay. have that autonomy. Yeah. Okay. Does doing things differently require certain skills, talents, mindsets? And if so, what are they? Honestly, I don't think that it requires a different mindset. I think uh, every time something arises, a project or, or a challenge or, or anything of that sort, I just follow what I think is best and I just follow intuition and just follow what I think uh, I like to do best. Okay. See, so, yeah, I just follow what I like to do. I don't think that it requires a very different skill set. Oh, the, only, the only thing that is probably different is that uh, I think in general Mavericks are, they don't like to follow, uh, they follow frameworks yeah. or follow what has been followed, you know? We like to break through of, of yeah. the status quo, yeah. You just said that it's not a different mindset but you follow your intuition. But most people in business yeah. don't follow their intuition. They follow the rules. I'm saying it's, it doesn't require a different mindset because it's, uh, it, it doesn't require a different skill. You know, It's not something that, uh, that somebody else doesn't have. I don't think that I'm special. I don't think that my partner is special. I just think that we, we just do what we think is best. And I think everybody does that. But people are just uh, afraid or too shy to speak up and, and stand up what they, what they believe in. And I think maybe that's the only difference, that people try to... Hide behind the rules, as opposed to saying, fuck that shit, I'm going to go and do this differently. Yep, okay. Yep. That makes complete sense. What, are the, <laughs> what are the challenges to being a maverick? Well, uh, people sometimes think that I'm a lunatic. Sometimes when I explain the things that we want to do, they're like, but... But all you're doing right now is running events. Aren't you afraid of doing, aren't you, shouldn't you get a nine to five job? Or you're almost 30, don't you think you should have, uh, you should have sorted your life out by now? And uh, although I do understand these things and this uh, is, it is kind of, um, I would say, scary at moments because I am almost 30 and I don't much, you know, I have a suitcase with my stuff and that's pretty much it. I have a rented apartment. I have no money whatsoever, but we're doing, we have a large following. And uh, we think it has a lot of potential. So the thing is that people, yeah, people just look look at me strangely sometimes um, when we try to explain what we're trying to do. And uh, yeah, of course, the, the not having money part is also difficult. And it's, it's very stressful at the moment, you know. You have to really go back and remind yourself why why are you doing this again? Yes. Because giving up is, is very easy and uh, there's lots of challenges that will be presented over time and you have to... You have to stick together. That's why I'm happy to have a partner to, yeah. to, men, to have mental support. Yeah. Okay, okay. What's been the lowest point of your journey as a maverick? 
the lowest point. <laughs> um, I think uh, hitting rock bottom, financially speaking. Yeah. Okay. When when there's literally there's literally no no money in the bank and. Uh, whether you can have food on the table next week is, yeah. a, is a serious concern. Okay. And this has happened uh, a couple of times. And for some reason, we, we always overcome them. We always get back up. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, I think, I think we haven't hit rock bottom yet. I think that has yet to come. I think the really toughest times, you know, I sometimes hear like March, top-notch entrepreneurs like Elon Musk or Richard Branson talk about how they lost millions of dollars when he tried to launch his mm-hmm. fourth rocket and this was everything he owned. That moment we haven't reached that yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, financially speaking, whether I can eat next week is, uh, is, yeah. has, been, has been a very serious concern, yes. Thank you for sharing that with me. I need to, I'm just going to let you know, a lot of these questions, I started with a few. A lot of these questions are what Mavericks have given me to say this would be good to know, okay? Mm, yeah, okay, right. yeah. What aspects of your personality or character influence your maverick approach? The, the fact that I'm very stubborn. I oh. That's the one that... Uh, and people don't always tend to say that you're stubborn in a very negative context, you know? Oh, you're so stubborn when you, when you won't buy in or when you won't budge. But I find that the single most valuable... Uh, character trait or personality trait that I have um, that can be annoying for people sometimes but at the same time it has gotten us to question things all the time Time, when things happen in a certain way there's just this this nagging feeling you know that even though the easiest way is to comply with it and just follow or or to just do it the way it has been done there's this nagging feeling that says no it just doesn't it's just not right and the fact that we won't give in when it comes to these things makes it annoying to people because we keep kind of emphasizing and hammering on the things that we believe in. That has gotten us uh, for the furthest, yeah, yes. definitely. Um, Being you, stubborn. You would have got on great with my dad. I get it from him. <laughs> stubborn, stubborn to the point of painful at times. Exactly. Because otherwise... <laughs> We'd give up and we'd walk away and we'd be doing that nine to five. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, it's as simple as that. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. <clears throat> Are you born or bred a maverick? I think you're not born a maverick. I think it's something that you choose to be. Okay. Um, because, of course, you can be bred in a certain way, yeah, by looking up to other people, by learning from people how to do things and how not to do things as mm. well. For me, it was more of like a choice when right. um, when I saw there's just so much bullshit going on in this world. It's, it's embarrassing at moments. It's seriously, uh, it's, it happens in my country. People think the Netherlands is this is this fairy tale country with rainbows and unicorns and where people where people fart rainbows basically. <laughs> I love, love that turn of phrase. <laughs> There's uh, so much, so much nonsense, you know, so much. Sometimes when I hear I can't wrap my head around it, you know, and this happens everywhere in the world and I'm blessed. But at the same time, um, I wanted to do things differently because I think there's things in the world that seriously need to change. Okay. And we do know that when we tap into the youth, they will be the ones that figure out how to change exactly. this. Exactly. For my generation, um, the beliefs and the core values have already kind of taken shape. Mm-hmm. So it becomes difficult to, to change that. But the mindsets of, of the younger generation, is we can still influence that. We can still try to instill a sense of rightness into that. Exactly. And in the hope that later down the road, they will, they will sit down together and, and rule the governments and, and are empowered and, and and look at themselves and like, what the hell are we doing? We really need to put a stop to this nonsense. Yeah, thank you. So do you think your childhood in any way impacted on you becoming the maverick you are today? <laughs> well, my dad was very stubborn and he still is, so... <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think... Uh, it's um, in the genes. 
I think I think it has. That's why I said you know, born or bred. I think it's a little neither and both. Yeah, um, but, yeah, and a lot can, of people. And you can choose it yourself. Yeah, yeah. tell you a story about my dad uh, when I was younger, and I think uh, this kind of nicely uh, shows how how that type of behavior okay. I adopted from him. There was one time my brother was fourteen or fifteen, and he was hanging out in this um, uh, in this school courtyard. Okay, just playing some soccer, etc. And uh, the police came, and apparently it was uh, not allowed to play there at this school court. They told my brother, uh, "Well, you might as well come with us." So right now, right, we okay, to the police station to see what you were doing there, and, and we're, we're basically teaching them a lesson, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. And when my dad uh, found out about this, uh, he went to the police station. And he went completely mad. He actually went there with a baseball bat to, to be impressive. Are you sure your dad's not related to my dad? My father drove around with a my father drove around with a hockey stick in the boot of his car. That's amazing. Go and carry you on. Love my dads, right? Yeah. God bless them. Yeah, God bless them, definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he went there to, to impress them, you know, because for the simple fact that, um, and, and this taught me a serious lesson, there's been more uh, examples of this, uh, this type of behavior. He went there because he believes in something and he's willing to fight for it. And I think that's, uh, that's something that I learned. Always keep very so, close so, to me because it's very, very important. So I've got to not, know, I've got to know, why did he go to the police station with the baseball bat? What did he believe in? <laughs> He believed in his son. He believed that his son told him the truth, was yeah. honest with him. Mm -hmm. And my brother yeah. was there uh, for the wrong reasons. He was not supposed to be there. When you speak yeah. to your dad next, yeah, <laughs> yeah. tell him there's a girl he's never going to meet who really admires him. <laughs> wow. I will tell him. Oh, <laughs> There is a, a similar story, actually. Uh, which I can also explain, which involves my brother. This is, it's again, it's the same thing, a uh, very similar thing. Because uh, when I was in high school, uh, there was one teacher, a history teacher, and she was a replacement teacher for the, for the teacher that fell ill at that point. In and she didn't have a lot of uh, authority. Um, I always been the type of person that made the empathy. I used to be an asshole in the classrooms, but if only for the teachers that um, were also kind of assholes, Assholes, you know? yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's a lot of them. But this teacher, I, I empathized with her because she was having a difficult time. She was very nervous. She didn't have a lot of control in the classroom. And my classmates were messing with her. So a lot of my classmates were sent to the principal's office. Right. Uh, at that time, you had to go to the principal's office, and then you had to get a note, and you had to bring the note home, et cetera, et cetera. That's basically your punishment. And I was not sent to the principal office, but one day later, the principal came into the classroom and he asked me, Daniel, you have to come with me. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure what was going on because... I, so I, I just followed him to his office and uh, he said, we have to suspend you for two days because uh, you were kicked out of the classroom and uh, you were being very rude to this teacher. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? I was not kicked out of the classroom. I wasn't rude to this teacher. I think you're, you're confused with someone else or some sort of mistake is being made. And he was like, no, you're, you're suspended for two days, pack your bags and leave. And I was like... God, what just happened? It was three days, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I told this story to my uh, to my parents, to my dad in particular. My dad was... He he, he always believed us, you know, because yeah. I've always been on the... On, um, and I, I wasn't the easiest teenager to grow up, but when something wasn't right, I would tell them, and look, this is, this is what is not right, or I would own up and take responsibility okay. for what I had done wrong. So he was like, no, you're going to school on Monday. This was on a Friday, so on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was suspended. And he was like, no, I'm going to take the day off from work and I'm going to take you to school. You're going to sit in that classroom and if he takes you out, I will talk to him. So <laughs> I went to, uh, on Monday I went to class and I went to German class. I was still in the German class and I went to sit in the classroom. The principal came into the office and said, Daniel, come to the principal's office, you're suspended. And uh, my dad uh, intervened. My dad went to the principal's office with me and he told the principal, this is not going to happen. My son is going to his class. He didn't do anything wrong and he's going to sit in this class and I went to the next class, math class, and again, principal came, took me out of the classroom, and sent me away, basically, up until my dad went, 
to the principal's office and he said, um, I'm not leaving your office until you withdraw your, your, the suspension for my son. And they got into an argument and they were discussing it very heavily. Up and, and I was I was not there. I was sitting outside waiting patiently for what was about to happen. Uh, up until the point where the discussion got so intense, not in a violent way, but mm. uh, the principal uh, wanted to, uh, he called the, the police as well because my dad wouldn't leave his office because he wasn't like, right. my son, my son is, is innocent. He didn't do anything. He's going to go and he's going to go sit in class and, and learn. And <clears throat> the police actually had to come and take out my dad out of, had to come take my dad out of the office of the principal. Um, but one day later, the principal came uh, to our house to make his personal apologies to my dad and to me, yes. and the next day I could go back to school. <laughs> okay, so he's got a real thing about fairness, hasn't he? Yeah, fairness, rightness, <clears throat> and in, justice. And injustice, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Next question. Yes. How is your enthusiasm and drive and energy related to being a maverick? Oh, a lot, yeah, a lot. Keeping in mind the, the goal that we're working towards, the vision that we're working towards, and seeing the impact that we have uh, on, a, on a very regular basis is super important to keep drive high, because, to keep going, because sometimes um, when we organize these things, it's just you get caught up in the amount of work, so we're, yeah. we're working in, in the office for, for days, and those are the moments where we're like, okay, we really need to have to go. We have to go out and we have to talk to people yeah. and we have to share what we do and we have to you know, go online and read about ourselves a bit and see... Uh, see the impact that we're having, we're having. and also at our events it's, um, it's, it's very powerful to see uh, how youth is changing and mm -hmm. these, these are the things that keep us going and I think that is uh, very important because that's what we're doing it all for that's what we're sacri yeah. sacrificing everything else for yeah. and uh, yeah so it's important to keep that going absolutely okay <clears throat> how do you see rules there are none I think <laughs> 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 there's um, there's uh, rules you can break. There's business rules that you are that you can break it um, when it comes to uh, finance, accounting. When it comes to legalizing your business, those are the rules you have to know them. Yeah. Have you always taken a maverick approach to business, or was there a particular trigger? You said you worked in a corporate world. What was the I trigger? Think, uh, one of the first things uh, that changed when I came to Malaysia. Yeah. I started working for a company called Mind Valley. Before that, uh, before I came there, I always had that same mindset, that same attitude. How do you call yeah. it? What's the word? Rebelness? Rebel. Rebel. <laughs> always kind of been like that, you know, always like trying to kick against the system and the rules and see how far I can get. But never... Um, really knowing how to inject this into uh, into a business context until I got exposed to the many amazing people inside Mind Valley um, who were all doing very similar things, who were all kind of ignoring ignoring the rules. They were all starting businesses and doing these crazy things. Yeah, and this was, this was when I realized uh, that I was always stubborn, you know, I always wanted to do things differently, always wanted to do things in the way that I believed they were supposed to be. It was not so... Strange after all. I think that's that was one of the the moments where I started actually implementing this into my uh, into my professional life. Okay. So are you always a maverick or do you choose to be so at times and why? <laughs> uh, I think um, in a business context, um, strategy-wise, um, yes, try to always be that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you, you kind of pick your battles. Okay. Uh, and this is uh, because some things that are not of utmost strategic importance to reaching your vision, mm -hmm. uh, you can do them differently. You can change them. You can, you can ignore the rules and try to push the boundaries, but it's not always energy well spent. Okay. And do so, you, sorry, do you turn the dial up and down on your maverickism level then? Like in this instance, I can be 10 out of 10 maverick mad, but in this instance, <laughs> they're not really ready for this. I need to turn this up to about a level three. That's all they can handle. Absolutely, yes, I think so. Um, okay. And is this choice to turn the dial up and down, is it a conscious choice or an unconscious choice? 
Um, I think it's. I think it happens unconsciously. Yeah, I mean, I'm, right now I'm, I'm thinking about this as mm-hmm. you as you ask these questions because uh, again, I don't wouldn't necessarily consider myself uh, a maverick, and so these things they happen. Yeah, I think. Okay. Uh, but now, now that you're asking them, I think. Uh, I'm trying to think of examples, and this is this is one of them. And I think they just happen. You know, you just realize, okay, this is, uh, yeah, it just it just happens. I would say it's unconscious. Yeah. Okay. What are the advantages and disadvantages of being a maverick in business, Daniel? Um, both an advantage and a disadvantage is uh, the networking opportunities. I think the network that you can create because there's as many people that will think you're crazy as there are people that will. Uh, be inspired by what you do. Okay. So being a business maverick initially, especially when you're starting, it's very difficult to get people to believe you in moments or, or to have faith in what you're doing. Yes. So this is definitely one of the downsides. I think the the upside is um, once you convince one person, you don't have to convince another because the other people will convince their network for you. Yes. Um, and um, this is uh, this is what I said. The, the, the network is the upside and the downside. But word yes. of mouth is the most powerful form of marketing there is. And this is what uh, Insidement has been growing has been growing on. We haven't invested a single cent in marketing. It's just people talking to people, and not just online. It happens offline. Okay. And this is how we've grown to a lot of different countries. So once you convince someone, it's easy to go, but it's difficult to get someone to uh, someone to believe to get. To, to stand to have your back basically yeah. okay has age and experience altered your maverick approach if so how have you grown i think so yeah because you know the things that are like the concept of right and wrong um it evolves i think mm-hmm. and it evolves with age and experience and there, I think there's two things that, that change that has cha- have changed with me over time growing older. Um, one is consequences mm-hmm. um, because you think about consequences uh, a bit more and also less. Okay. Um, because there's this initially when you grow up when you when you, when you're born up until you reach like 11, 12, you have no responsibilities. Everything is you, it doesn't matter what you do wrong, it will be fixed anyway. Up until the point when you reach your teenagers and your early twenties and um, you have to start taking responsibility for your actions because there has actually consequences for what you do. But then uh, this this feeling keeps growing and because consequences become more severe and more impactful. But also at the same time I'm starting to realize that uh, if we do something wrong, um, it's not that bad after all, you know. The yeah. the worst case scenario is usually a lot less worse than we uh, than we imagine it to be. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, uh, the second thing I think is uh, yeah, a sense of right and wrong. I think uh, this develops over time. What is right and what is wrong, um, and, and it has developed with me over time as well. Uh, the things that I believe in are important. They kind of change over time. Okay. But uh, just the things that uh, that I want to that I that I'm willing to fight for, uh, they evolve, and the amount of passion and time that I want to invest in those. It evolves as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I think that comes with uh, with grow with growing up. Yeah. Okay. What aspects of your business, so incitement, are you most mavericking? Uh, most mavericking, I would say, um, pushing others to do great things. I think that's what we are very very passionate about. Uh, thinking um, beyond. Uh, imaginable basically okay. and, well, it's very very simple that's why it, also I don't think that we're very special we, leading by example it sounds like it carries a lot of weight but it's just doing the right thing that's pretty much it you know and yeah. inspiring and trying to get other people to do the right thing as well um, and this is what we're doing with, with thinking big also and we want to create um, ambassadors in every country to mm-hmm. set up um, an organ there that can uh, influence or even create decision making yeah. from the bottom up, from the bottom up instead of from the top down. Wonderful. Uh, I have a lot of examples from my own country in, in the Netherlands. I think you uh, can take a lot of examples of that from any country, Daniel. Exa- exactly, so. exactly. So what aspects of your business are you least maverick in? What do you do just like everybody else? Well, I wouldn't say smaller things, but like web design. 
the, yeah. the website, our website. For, I don't know if you've seen our website. I no, I, do you know what? I deliberately don't look up a lot. Ah, okay, perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> well, it's so, just so that I don't get clouded. Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. The, the word, like, again, the po most powerful thing uh, is word of mouth, and it's yes. becoming more and more difficult to generate. Even though right now people are kind of abandoning social media networks. Yeah, however, however, for somebody who... Um, you know, social, it's like anything in this world. Everything is a tool. It's how you use it. So yeah, if for, some, for somebody like me, if I didn't know who you were, unless you're inside my website, told me exactly what you do, I would never have took the next step towards you guys. So I can see the value of it. Yeah, absolutely. And we see, we see the value as well. It's just that uh, we've been very busy with, uh, uh, with well, other things that yeah. we think are more important. So, yeah, and prioritising. Exactly, yeah. yeah. How do you how do you balance being a maverick with home life? Uh well I mean I live in Malaysia and my family lives in the Netherlands. I do really miss my family. Home life. Um what do you mean by home life? You know sometimes what happens if when I ask people this question, some people say, Well, when they're working on their business, they're wow 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 maverick. But when they go home they just wanna they just want the normal domestic bliss like everybody else. And then you have other people who turn around and say, well, actually, there's no disconnect. Some people will say, oh, I find it really hard because, you know, my girlfriend doesn't understand and I just need to go out with her and her friends for a drink when really I want to be doing this. Whereas other mavericks will turn around and say, well, actually, there's no disconnect. I'm a maverick 24-7. Mm. Okay, got it. Okay, I understand the context of the question. Mm. I think uh, the environment that I'm in here in Malaysia, mm -hmm. uh, most people do understand. Uh, the friends that I am, my girlfriend definitely understands. This. She's very supportive. Uh, my family also understands this very and is very supportive. I don't know. It's, it's actually again, it's neither one of the ones you just mentioned. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's uh, sometimes I I come home and I don't want to change the world, and sometimes I do. Yeah. And sometimes my friends understand, and sometimes they don't. Okay. You know, so it's, it's just uh, it it depends on it depends on the day, I guess. Okay. Is yeah. any is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind? Even though my uh, perception of legacy has uh, I don't know has evolved over time. So what's um, the legacy? Initially. I was looking up to people like Steve Jobs and people like mm -hmm. Richard Branson leaving a massive legacy. I've kind of come to the conclusion that a legacy is, uh, is, is something that is very powerful, even on a very small scale. You know, even if you can impact one person is a very, very important thing. And of course, we want to, uh, we want to have scale. So we want to leave it as large as possible. Uh, I do think that I want to leave a legacy um, of... Of justice, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that I want to leave behind. If people uh, believe in something, then you have to fight for it. That's a legacy that I want to leave on as many people as possible. Is um, If you believe something to be right, then don't allow it to go the other way. Yeah. Have you, have you heard the starfish story, Daniel? The starfish story? No. Yeah. Okay, right. You're going to love this. Hang on. Okay. <clears throat> right, so the starfish story is this. It's just what made me think of something from what you said. There's a okay. woman who's walking on the beach, okay? And it's late at night, <clears throat> and the beach is full of starfish. And she's picking one up, each one at a time, and flinging them back into the ocean. And this guy comes walking past and he looks round and there's starfish strewn all over the beach, okay? So he turns round and he says, what are you doing? And she said, well, they're all going to die. And she, he stands next to her and he said, but there's no way what you're doing can make a difference. So she picks up, because you'll never save them all. So she bends down, mm. picks one up, Flings it into the water and she goes, well, I made a difference to that one. Exactly. And I think what you've just described is a very, very powerful story. You can, you can, it's not mine. You can go, if you just Google the starfish story, you'll find it. Because it's a good way to illustrate what you're trying to do, yeah? 
also been started by somebody else, basically, under Inside New World. That kind of goes heads-on with uh, something like Toastmasters. And this was actually very, very successful here when we, at the time that we launched this. Uh, it's not very active as of now, but Inside New Speaker was a public speaking program where we tried to teach uh, the different elements of public speaking in order for for the attendees to prepare them to become uh, ambassadors of a social brand okay. or of an NGO or a charity. So we taught them those, those particular skills. Then there is um, Inside Me Youth, which is uh, in universities. So we organize inside, inside universities as well because that's where the youth is. So we need to, if we want to tap into youth, then we need to go to their locations yes. also. Uh, so this is a university club, basically. Um, and then uh, Inside Entrepreneurship Program, we have to change the name still, but <laughs> this is a social business program where we taught people uh, how to start businesses um, with um, a social aspect ingrained and instilled in its DNA okay. uh, right from the very get-go. And uh, at that moment we launched, uh, there were 20 attendees, so it started very small, um, but there were seven companies that were launched and they are successful up until today. It was a very powerful initiative as well. So those are the five things that we uh, okay. were doing. Yeah. Now, what would you consider? So you've said you've done five projects. <clears throat> what would you consider are the characteristics of a successful project? Success according to Daniel. This is is the same as Simon Sinek says. Uh, the reason why, mm. the reason why, and the vision, what you stand for, is the single most important thing. Yes. Um, and it has to be specific enough for people to believe in, but you have to leave it broad enough as well uh, for people to actually own it and make it something that is something by themselves. Okay. Uh, because I've seen other initiatives fail because their vision and their reason was so specific that other people couldn't, couldn't. feel it was theirs. Okay. And, and I think uh, I think that's the most important. That's the single most important thing: vision that is specific enough to pursue, but broad enough to own. Really, really nicely put. Thank you. Thank you. So, of the five ventures, what? How many were successful according to that definition? <laughs> yes. Um, four. Four. Okay. Four were successful enough. Yeah. So, what leads to successful execution of a project for you? Good. Okay. You just need to successful execution. You just need to go for it and relentlessly go for it. And you know, this, there's this quote that goes online: "Is failure is not about how often you fall, but it's how how fast you get up." I think something yeah. something yeah. That, that context. I think that's that's what execution is about. No matter how how uh, how badly you fuck up, just accept it and try again. How are we going to perfectly execute this? <laughs> Success is all mm. down to that. Yeah, absolutely. So I stick it in front of my screen because I know which side of the fence I want to be sitting on in, in about a few yeah. years' time. So, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Daniel, what did you yeah. do? That So you said four out of five were successful in that. <coughs> what did you do that made that project successful? What did you bring to the table? Um... I would I would say relentlessness, okay. that, that vision, you know, and being being very relentless when it comes to uh, the why or why the, the reason that we're doing this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's it. That's it. And when a venture is unsuccessful, be it the one that failed or any others that you've come across, what would you consider are the main reasons for failure? Um. The lack of that, yeah. Okay, quite a simple. Yeah, it's, it's okay. exactly lack of that. Now that I'm thinking about this, the reason why this one initiative, I wouldn't say it has failed, but it hasn't hasn't succeeded yet. Yeah. Uh, it will eventually, is because we haven't given it enough attention. Right. Uh, we, that crop. Yeah. That. And, and that's pretty much it. The other four we have. Being able to focus on. Being able to focus on it, being able to be there to uh, to push. To push the people that are involved in it, because okay. all all the initiatives that we run are um, are most largely um, growing because of the people that we work with, and this is this is very very important to yeah. us, the the team that we work with, and these are, people are all volunteers. Everybody does this on a completely voluntary basis. We don't pay anybody a single cent, including ourselves. Okay. Um, 
so everybody do everybody does it because they believe in it and um, so I would say the most important uh, well the second most important of the division is is the, the people that you work with and they are willing to to sacrifice for this vision as well okay yeah as a maverick what are you afraid of uh, <laughs> What am I afraid of? Well, I would say spiders because I'm afraid of spiders. Like okay, crazy. that's good. That's fair enough. <laughs> but I'm uh, afraid of... Uh, that's a very good question. Because in the beginning, I used to be very afraid of being judged by others, you know? Uh, not afraid, but it was... It would, uh, it would set me back. Having the... People frown upon the things that you do or believe in, or it's those sort of things. But that's not um, that's not the case anymore. What am I afraid of? Is uh, um, nothing. I don't think anything in particular. Okay. No. Okay. No. How important? You talked about the people who volunteer for you. <clears throat> How important is team to you as a maverick? It's, it's crucial. Yeah, whether you're an NGO, whether you run a multi-million dollar corporation or whatever it is, what type, whatever, whatever type of organization you run, I think uh, that the single most important thing to over-invest in is the team. If you have to, um, it's better to, I mean, your team is everything, basically. The team that you work with, because you always have to hire people that are that can do your job better than yourself. And this is, of course, something that I, that I learned from uh, I think Richard Branson said this, you know, and this is uh, this is absolutely crucial, I think, because then uh, you can leave it to, to your team or to the team to grow and you can replace yourself. Yeah. I think that's very, very important. Yeah. Does being a maverick now affect your approach to leadership? Um... No, I don't think so. But I started a business three years, and okay. from that very moment, uh, we have always we've always set this vision. You know, we've always um, uh, we've always tried to to push this huge vision that we have and do things and try to change things in the world. And that's also the moment when uh, I started uh, leading uh, other people, and when my partner did the same. Before that, I uh, don't have much experience with leading people. Right. So I, the reason I say no is because I can't really make that comparison from a very personal perspective. Right. Uh, whether that changes things, uh, I can't imagine that being a lead, the, the difference between, of course, uh, a leader uh, is of being a maverick, um, is that you leave people with a lot of freedom and yes. try to inspire them as much as you can. Yeah, that's um, one of the one of the big things that keeps coming out. Um, I, yeah. the, um, somebody I interviewed the other day, they were saying that, you know, the industry they work in, the creative director has the final say and the CEO, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't often even look at a project. Exactly. If, if somebody yeah. does it, that's <laughs> it. I trust you to do it, you know. Okay. Absolutely. Daniel, how and where did you get your permission to be a maverick? I didn't get any permission, and I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> again, I'm just doing the things. Uh, I'm just doing things that I believe in and I, that I think need to happen. Um, and I never got any permission, and I don't think I need any permission. And I, I've never considered myself to be a maverick until the point where Paul reached out to me and I said, "Hey, I have this uh, this lady called Millie that wants to interview you, and I think you're a maverick." And that's when I, that's when the moment I thought, "Okay, okay." <laughs> so, question. So, a question for you, yeah? Did you give yourself permission to be a maverick? Um, I don't have to do it like everybody else on the planet. Did you give yourself the permission? Because obviously, like you say, life is mapped out. Marriage, job, kids, university, da 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 Did you decide yourself that actually it's up to me what I want to do and how I choose to live my life and how I choose to do business? <laughs> well, uh, yes. I, it, that, that process, it took some time. I, yeah. have to, I have to say that to give yourself the permission because... When I was growing up, obviously, like you just said, you know, I had yeah. this uh, idea of when I'm 30, I have to, I have to have a house, I have to have a wife, I have to have a car, and three kids, and maybe even a dog. 
you know? And none of those things, literally none of the things that I, I envisioned when I was growing up, when I was, when I would be 30, what I would do, yeah. none of those things actually came true. Okay. Uh, and I went back home in June um, after, I don't know, like being, not being home for like eight, nine months. Yeah. Uh, and that was the moment when I started process, processing these things a lot for some reason, because that's when I, I quit my full-time job. We've been doing this uh, uh, next to our full-time jobs for two years. Yeah. And um, when we quit our full-time jobs, when I reached home, like, you know, I really had to sit myself down for a moment and, uh, and, and contemplate on A, what had happened, process everything else, and B, what is going to happen, because, um, yeah, it's... It is it is difficult to some sometimes and it was difficult sometimes not to fit into that into that picture or into that trajectory that everybody is supposed to go through what society dictates you to be. Um, hey Daniel, I never said it was going to be easy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, right. absolutely. Nobody ever said that. Yeah, yeah. I think um, um, it did take some time. It did take some processing, also because you no, know, my parents are concerned. I'm not necessarily concerned. I mean, they, they know that I'm happy. They know that I'm doing the things that I want to do. But they're also concerned about the future, you know, because yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to be 30 soon. And they have a very different upbringing. They come from a very different uh, different school of thought. Yeah, and a different so, generation. And a very different generation, yeah. So there's a gap there as well. And, yeah. And uh, my parents being the two people in the world that I listen to the most, they take their advice, of course, that makes you weigh uh, pros and cons and, and, yeah. and think about, okay, is this really what I what I want to do? And the answer has obviously been yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah, you have to, have to do okay. that. Is being a maverick related to creativity? And if so, how? Um, um, for us... Being a maverick, I think, is mostly, yeah, as I said, is mostly related to uh, righteousness, I think, and justice. Okay. Um, it depends the type of maverick or the type of business you run, but it depends on, the, on, on what you're trying to do, I think, yeah. Fair enough. And what about being, how is being a maverick related to innovation? Um, I think a lot, yeah. Um, but also, again, depending on, uh, how to say, I think how it's related is um, by pushing or ignoring or redefining the the rules that we just spoke about. Definitely, because definitely. If, there's, uh, if we don't push those rules, if we don't push ourselves to... to completely be be completely disruptive yeah there's not going to be any growth we're not going to move forward exactly uh, and i think that that's how it's related to yeah that's how it's related to somebody that. somebody said it really nicely the other day they mm. said applied maverickism is innovation beautiful i thought <laughs> beautiful. quite nicely put actually okay yeah, Maver- daniel mavericks tend to be learners what are you a student of I am, that's a very good question. <laughs> I am a student of life, I think. Okay. Yeah, student of, uh, of people, mostly. Okay. I really like to understand, uh, I really like, to, like understanding youth. Uh, and I think um, that this is, the, this is the thing that I like to learn about the most, is the, is the people that come to the events that we do, and they are involved in the different initiatives, and that's why I'm so passionate about getting youth more involved in, in, in political and educational uh, innovation and change is because they have so many interesting things to say, you know, because those rules that we just spoke of, yeah. they, they don't consider them to be rules yet, you know, they don't no, know no, about no. them. They don't. So they, they don't have to break them, they just don't exist yet. Yes, so exactly. So it's very interesting to hear their, to learn from them how they would change things, you know, if, if they could... And, and, and that's what I uh, that's what I really love love learning about. I'm yeah. going to send you some stuff afterwards that I think is going to really help you guys. Oh, please, yes. <laughs> okay, Anything. so, do you draw on other Mavericks in any way? Do I draw on other Mavericks? Yes. yes. Okay. Absolutely, yes. Um, I try to learn from 
mean, I think there is nobody on this planet that you can't you can't learn anything from. You know, there's always something you can learn from literally anybody. I completely um, agree with you, even if they're the person who teaches you how not to be a leader. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. <laughs> Yeah, because learning how to not do things is also very good. Learning, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, uh, okay. um, I would say that I learn as much, uh, yes, I draw on other metrics as well, because it's good to be in an environment, a like-minded environment. Yeah. But I learn as much from anybody else, uh, I think, than from other metrics. Okay. Is there anyone who's a maverick that inspires you? Um, yes. Who many, jumped into your head? Yes, many. The first one that just jumped into my head is, uh, of course, my partner, because right. he's a very inspirational guy. Um, Who, um, what do you have to suffer and sacrifice because you're a maverick? Uh, suffer and sacrifice, uh, my partner said it very nicely once, is uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes you can live like uh, Bill Gates and sometimes you have to live like Backpacker. Yeah, um, <laughs> nicely said. It's, it's very true, and, yeah. and that's what's happening. You know, sometimes there is, uh, sometimes you can do, you can do as you please freely, and there's moments when I cannot leave the house because I I cannot even buy a single meal. Yeah. To, <laughs> to go out basically, so this is definitely one of the sacrifices. Okay. Um, in my case, one of the sacrifices as well is uh is my family. Yeah. Uh, because they live uh, so live far. very far away, unfortunately. Okay. Um, um, and yeah, I think those are the two most important ones for me. Okay. What motivates you as a maverick? I think you've more or less said this, but I wanted to ask you. Yeah, what motivates me is the is getting closer to the end goal. On a very, that's that's like on a large scale. On a smaller scale, um, I remember one moment that defined. Uh, that defined my journey as a, as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. uh, which is when somebody at our event, and this has happened uh, regularly. Uh, I don't know why this one time it made such a huge impact. And somebody uh, was speaking, and there was an attendee in the audience. We have an appreciation round after after the speakers are done uh, sharing their story, um, and the audience can can share what they what they think about the speaker, basically, and appreciate them. And there was one girl who who literally bursted out in tears uh, how how this episode of, of incitement had changed her life. Wow. How this was, had been so incredibly transformational, inspirational to her, how she would do certain things differently from today onwards. Yeah. And I was just spectating. I was looking at this. I'm like, my God, this is... This, this, is, is, this is the moment when I realized that, that exactly what I just said, you know, even though the chance of failure is bigger than the chance of succeeding, yeah. is worth failing for because if we can impact... If, if we can impact one person like that, yeah. is, is a success. Exactly. <clears throat> is any part of being a maverick related to finding out who you are and what you're capable of? Yeah, I think a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think a lot. Yeah, I think a lot. Okay. Yeah, and you kind of uh, keep redefining yourself, you know, and then I remember you just asked a question uh, all over again. Uh, if, you, if you're the type of person that turn something into success when you least expect it mm -hmm. uh, or a similar yeah. similar question yeah, yeah. Like that. the question about um, you know um, it was the, it was the very first thing I asked you yeah, about, the true or false questions yeah hang on yeah. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected yeah exactly exactly even though I wouldn't necessarily that uh, I mean this sometimes it's true but the reason I think I answered truth to that is because you keep it just keeps surprising yourself, you know, about uh, what you're capable of and yes. what you're not capable of and how you respond to situations. Yeah. And by pushing yourself to, to follow and pursue the things that you believe in, you, you keep discovering and redefining who you are. And I think that that's definitely how it's related to that, yeah. Exactly. Do you like being a maverick, Daniel? Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. Not always, not always. Okay. Is yeah, I mean, sometimes there's moments where you just want to, uh, where you just want to just go to, just be left alone and not, not think about all these things, you know, and just enjoy, uh, 
okay, this is where I am right now. This is what I'm doing right now. That's it. Nothing else. I don't give a shit about anything else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's, we have those moments. Everybody has that, yeah. Is being a maverick important or a responsibility in any way? Um, I would say so because um, in general, I think, not, not mavericks only, but business owners, they have uh, their influences. Mm-hmm. And anybody, not just business owners, of course, but anybody who is an influencer, of mm-hmm. which Mavericks is a group as well, oh, um, yes. has a certain sense of responsibility because we, especially in our case, we're talking to youth. Yeah. Uh, and it's important that they, that they have access to the right uh, information and that we provide them things that are, uh, that are of value to them and that don't uh, spoil their how to say, their fresh mind, you know, so to speak. Yeah. So I definitely think that there's a, there's a large responsibility there, yeah. Now that you've nearly finished the interview, on a scale yeah. of 1 to 10, how maverick are you? <laughs> that is a very difficult question. I never I'm said not... it was going to be easy. Because <laughs> the thing, I, I just consider myself to be very average, you know. Just like any other uh, person, just I don't give up on the things that I believe in. So I think um, you're a maverick. I don't think there's a scale of 1 to 10. You either are or you aren't. Okay, uh, fair enough. See, that is a typical maverick response. They don't fit in the box and they give me something else to write about. <laughs> That's good. Um, yes. okay. yeah. yeah, but it's a, it's a brilliant illustration. There was a rule. I gave you a rule. On a scale of one to ten, pick one. No, I'm not going to. I don't think there's a scale. If that's not Maverick, I don't know what is, okay? (laughs) There is no right answer, is there? I agree. What what advice would you give to somebody who feels they're a Maverick so that they can be the best possible Maverick they can be? Don't let don't I think don't let any anybody else tell you that what you can or cannot do. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. And especially uh, how to say if something is a taboo then you always want what you can't have right exactly so surround yourself if you're if you feel that you're a maverick if you feel that you're that type of person surround yourself by as many people that tell you that what you're doing is not the right thing it's going to push you to do it even more exactly how do you promote and serve other people to be mavericks Leading by example, yeah, leading by example and by being very blunt, very open, very direct, very, very honest. Um, we don't beat around the bush, you know, you just... I've noticed that you don't beat around the bush throughout the interview, Daniel. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, yeah, because that's exactly what, uh, what okay. we... Uh, and that's how... exactly what I, I want, the person I want to be like, you know, you mentioned that in the beginning, in the beginning of the interview, you have a lot of integrity. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's, that's, that, that is the single most important quality a human being can have, you know, is having integrity, carrying integrity. Um, so that's what we, that's what we try to do as well. Okay. We try to be, and, to be by example in the most honest way. And how do you serve yourself to be a maverick? Um... It gives me uh, satisfaction. Okay. I like doing it, and I like uh, I like seeing others um, take benefit from it. Wonderful. And grow by it, yeah. What's your biggest ambition right now? The biggest ambition right now is um, is the vision that I just explained. We want to get youth, and mainly youth entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, involved in decision making uh, from a very early age, and um, we were at this. At this, I have an example. This is this is the reason why I'm or one of the reasons, uh, one of the examples why I'm so passionate about this. Also, um, when we were in a meeting, once we were invited for this for this meeting by the by the Malaysian government, mm-hmm. and invited a bunch of officials, and we invited a bunch of uh, a bunch of a bunch of groups basically that were related to the topic. Of this meeting, which was uh, how how can we evolve the education system in Malaysia, mm-hmm. and there was a panel of of four or five people who were sharing their their thoughts on this, 
and there was about 150 people, 150, 200 people. And this was about the education system. I'm not talking about, mm -hmm. about business. This is education system. So from, um, and I believe they were talking about like an age range of, of what is it, like six to, uh, no, not six. This is from, from high school. This is like 14, 12, yeah. 13, to whatever it is, to 18, 19. Youth. And what was very, very peculiar and, and I, I still cannot wrap my head around this and I asked this question to the panel as well is because you can ask questions there so I raised my mm -hmm. hand I'm like can everybody in this room who is a student right now raise their hand and it was literally one hand out of 200 people that went up and to me this is if we're talking about education system like us as adults we always think that we know what's best for our youth but I think it's really time to uh, let youth decide for themselves what's best for them and because that, they know and that is exactly what i did with the society for adolescent health and medicine i said uh, well, if we're the society for adolescent health and medicine where are the adolescents here exactly so that's exactly. yeah so i understand that okay that's perfect exactly <clears throat> this is this is a perfect illustration of what is wrong with uh, decision making yes because we think we know but we don't no and, uh, the ones who have the answers, we don't ask. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And businesses are so good at this, you know, at like crowdsourcing products and those type of things, you know. They're very good at involving their target audience. And I don't see why, why the government or universities can learn from that. Exactly. Why they can do exactly the there's, same. There's a blog business. post for you to write in that. There's a blog, I'm sorry? There's a blog post in the making. Oh, perfect. Share it with me. Yeah. I will share it. Now you can write it. Oh, I can write it. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to write, yeah. I would love if, to write, that's a good idea. So, yeah. if you could have a superhero power, what would it be? Um, I would be... Uh, whew, I, there was this... Oh, this is a very difficult question. Um, I told you, they're not easy questions. <laughs> I think what it would be is... Uh, if I could, I would, can I rephrase the question <laughs> into, uh, into the genie in a bottle? If I could have one wish. Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of the same. But <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you just take over and be the maverick that you are and change all my questions. But yeah, go on. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have a superpower myself. I would just uh, rub the genie in a bottle, ask one wish, and that is to just instill a sense of common sense in people. Because I think that's what we've lost along the way. And what? I think that's what I would really like. Okay. Yeah. To okay. be on the same page, you know, because it's not that difficult. It's really not that difficult. Okay. Okay. Yeah. As a maverick, what do you do for fun? To uh, have dinner with friends, talk and smoke. Okay. 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 I, uh, yeah, just brainstorm ideas. You know, we spend nights and nights until like 4 or 5, 6 a.m. in the morning just talking about all kinds of things. Wonderful. Final question. Okay. What would you like to have been asked that I haven't asked you? <laughs> um, yeah. Um, there's one thing that comes to mind, I think, but I think this is something that would come up naturally. Um, is about... Um, maybe there's a quote that you live by. I think this would be a good question. You know, one quote that uh, that defines you as a maverick, maybe. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That would be a good question to ask, I think. Okay. Yeah. What's I'm yours? Oh, I, uh, mine is, uh, is by Henry Ford. Uh, okay. Yeah, you probably know the one already. Is uh, He says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Yes. And okay. this is... So very, 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 very true. Yeah, okay. that's my absolute favourite quote. Yeah. So thank you very much for letting me interview you. Absolutely.